Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by Capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. Lee, good morning and welcome to the Support Automation Show. Where's this podcast find you? Uh, morning, Justin. Yeah, uh, I am located in Ketchum, Idaho. Ketchum, Idaho. Where is that in relation to Boise? Uh, we're a few hours from Boise. If, if uh, you know where the Sun Valley Ski Resort is, that's where we're based. So, Got it. Got it. Yeah, my um, marketing operations manager is based in Boise. She just moved there and says it's oh. beautiful. I've heard a lot of good things about Idaho, um, but it's one of those states where unless it's Boise, and I remember where that little star is on the on the map yep. of the state from the states and capitals lessons as a kid. Not exactly sure where a lot of other stuff is there, but um, well, welcome to the Support Automation Show. And um, I understand you're the Chief Customer Officer at Yellowfin. So why don't we start off by, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey to being a Chief Customer Officer at Yellowfin, and then a little bit about what Yellowfin does. Yeah, great. Thanks, Justin. Um, so my journey to my current uh, role as chief customer officer, uh, I've been with Yellowfin about seven years now. Um, I'll tell, talk about that journey in just a second. And I've always been the last um, forgot, 15 years in the, the customer, customer space, focusing on the customer journey, customer success, client services. Mm-hmm. I've been um, at uh, mainly software companies focused on selling software um, enterprise level packages as well as some hardware uh, to to customers in in North America. Um, the move over to uh, the current role I'm in, the chief customer officer at, at Yellowfin, was a big, big and exciting move for me. Um, Yellowfin's a uh, business intelligence software company. When I joined, there were 30 employees based out of uh, the office in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, the goal was to grow and expand the the company globally. So I came on board and it was uh, super exciting to be employee number 30. Um, And over the last seven years, we've grown grown the company to five offices um, globally and, and 165 employees. And we are... Um, in the in a very tough competitive uh, space, being in business intelligence, but we have been uh, fortunate enough to be recognized by Gartner and other analysts um, as an innovator. Uh, been in the Magic Quadrant for six years now, and we're super excited and passionate about what we do, which is really allowing customers to take their data, visualize it, and in eye-popping, amazing ways for their end users and customers, um, and really drive a different approach to what data can do for a business. And it's really about the collaboration and action around data. So a lot of a lot of BI organizations just kind of present a dashboard. We're all about the action behind that dashboard. Right. So yeah, it's been a it's been a really fun uh, seven years. We're actually just just positioned to kind of evolve and double the company in the next couple of years. So yeah, exciting time to be a part, a part of it. Yeah, that's 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 awesome to hear. And congratulations on that growth. You know, you you mentioned the Gartner Magic Quadrant. If I were a Gartner, I would send out a little like placard or, you know, those little tombstone sort of award things for every like you get one at like five years and like a gold watch at 10 or something like that. But, you know, it, this show, we talk about automation. We talk about bringing automation into organizations to allow people to do their best work, to create a 
a seamless, more favorable, faster experience for customers. We kind of run the gamut around all things support automation, but that topic gets started by one question. It's the same first question I ask everybody. And that is, what does the phrase support automation mean to you? It's a good question. Um, I mean, at, at top of mind, I just, I always kind of think about automating process mm-hmm. to speed delivery of, of uh, insights to internal teams. Um, I, I guess my focus is always, I've, I've always had an operational mindset on, on the, on the careers that I've had in other organizations. And I've always found early on just when an operation or COO mentor I had, he's like, if you want to, if you want to really drive change, own the systems. So I've, right. I've always, I've always owned either building or being the admin of our, the CRM, the telephony programs, you know, things that I could, you know, help integrate and provide. And I'm a big passion, passion about uh, a one click to a resolution. So looking at how tools and process can improve the, the team experience. And, and my goal is always, if I can improve the team experience, then I can improve the, their ability to spend more time with the customer. Um, you know, so for me, I, I guess it's really about looking at how do we improve and reduce friction between the customer and our teams? And how do we get insights to customers and teams as quickly as possible, either to deflect you know, a customer finding an answer so they don't have to reach out, which I think is the the ultimate goal of of trying to make something automated. But then on the flip side, it's just, yeah, allowing the teams to find what they need and share and collaborate without having to, uh, I guess, cause more more steps in their day with right. a focus on go spend time with customers. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, I always tell my teams, it's you know, we're people helping people. And that means you got to spend the time with, with the customers and learn and have empathy and, and be able to help solve their, their problems. That's why we're, we're in business. Exactly. I love your phrase there of one click to resolution. And this is a particularly relevant and salient point for the topic of support automation, because one of the core tenets of it is to you know, provide that sort of self-service, that level zero support as it's as it's called shift left and you pick your sort of buzzword to describe it. But ultimately what you're doing is leveraging technology to try to get, to start out trying to get the easiest possible uh, problems solved with automation and then build on that to, you know, try to solve more and more complex issues in at least an automated or semi-automated way so that in the event something breaks through and you need to, you know, get on the phone with somebody or, you know, start an email exchange or whatever it is, the person on the other end of the line, actually really both, are sort of equipped mentally and ready for that conversation for that to be productive, right? Like the the classic example I always use is, your customer support rep at, I don't know, Best Buy is going to be a lot more energetic, fresh, friendly, helpful on the phone if he or she hasn't answered 700 questions about return policy or something and instead is working on, you know, larger issues that require more sort of forethought to get through. One thing that I also wanted to touch on with you, because I find it fascinating with what Yellowfin and, and BI in general does is... Companies buy BI tools to feed all their data into this platform, which then 
turns that data into something that business leaders can make actionable decisions from, right? Whether that's simple reporting stuff or even, you know, helping them tease out um, sort of second level analyses out of those reports. That means that there are companies and Yellowfin probably eats its own dog food in this way too, but like you're reporting on KPIs that get better or worse depending on how the automation downstream from that is implemented, right? So in your experience, what's good advice for a leader looking to get automation or expand the use of automation inside their business and like how to build the KPIs around that automation to make it useful? Yeah, that's a great question. That's like a million dollar question. <laughs> you know, I think, I think with God, what we struggle with and when, when I think any, anybody who's kind of leading teams or especially yeah, support organizations, you know, there's so much data, there's so many, you know, KPIs that you could be looking at. And, and there's the best practice, which I always, I always tell my team like, yeah, that's great. That's best practice. But does it work for us? Like you have yes. to find what's the best practice for your organization going to your goals. So, you know, I think what we find when we're helping customers with this, I mean, again, it's just, there's so much data that a company has when you go from, if you're really trying to roll things up into actionable dashboards that cover, you know, a horizontal view of all your departments, it's, it can be overwhelming. And I think a lot of people go into things like, well, we want to measure everything. Like, yeah, but then what's the outcome of measuring that? Is it something that's actually going to drive your business? And so, you know, I think the recommendation is one, it, it's really start small and really focus on the things that, that are going to help you actually action. Cause just mm -hmm. having dashboards with all sorts of, you know, metrics and things that don't mean anything to the organization. And that's really where what we have found in our own organization. And you, you kind of said it perfectly is, I mean, we full on eat our own dog food and we have um, built an am amazing product just from our own use case. Well, I mean, I, it still blows me away. Some of the things that we have been able to just do because we look at data differently. We look at data on, how do we empower the end user to action it? So for us, we have data coming in across the whole organization, but we've, we focus it down to giving the people a, not just a visual um, view of data. Cause that, it, what I've struggled with, and it's funny, I've talked to a couple of friends of mine who are at large organizations and they just like, yeah, people send out dashboards and in these, you know, presentations and nobody has a clue on what the data means. Like what's it mean to the organization? Like right. that's the piece that is that people struggle with. And so being able to put some context around data, like what's it mean? What's the red versus, you know, green versus what's the pie chart mean that you're trying to get um, the, the, the message across and what's the action that follows that. So really being able to kind of step back and go, do we need to measure 500 things? No, probably just, you know, five or six. Mm -hmm. And but we got to be able to, to show the organization like the impact. So, um, just an, just an example. I mean, yesterday we just had our quarterly business review where we get everybody on a session and we run through each department and we all have our kind of key metrics that we share, but we really focus on how does everyone's role in the organization link to those, the customer success metrics or the renewal or churn metrics. So we can really then have people take back and go, God, me, I mean, QA, I don't really ever talk to any customer, you know, engage with customers, but the quality of my job and what I do and the output helps us renew customers. So being able to kind of tie all that together is I think super important when we're putting, you know, putting together what you're going to share, what are the key metrics? How are you going to tell that story? 
Yes, I was just going to say this is a storytelling exercise, ultimately. The storytelling is just amazing. And so, and, and I think what's really exciting in our space, and, and there's a couple of companies doing this really well, is not only are you building these you know, dashboards with some KPIs and, and everybody's got their things that they're getting measured on, but then yet yeah, being able to tell that story. But the next piece is everybody's driving with you know, AI engines. We've got natural language query. We've got uh, you know, other you know, assisted insights that are happening across these tool sets that really allow you to look at look at your data in a way that helps you find anomalies or trends that you're not even looking looking at in your standard dashboard KPI. So it's it's really an exciting time because systems are actually starting to help people see what they don't know, right? Right. That's, yeah. That's where I think automation is going to really evolve in for all departments because you're going to actually see the things that you're not even looking at and, and be able to drive some action and change around that. Cause I mean, as you know, I mean, the COVID nobody saw that coming and the impact of businesses and how we work and how we engage with customers and the empathy, you know, those, those are the things that you want to be able to quickly be able to pivot and your data can show you that if, if your data is set up right and your system set up right to help you actually get some, some actionable insights as quickly as possible. Yeah. And one thing that popped in my head while you were, while you're illustrating that point is that I'm not going to give the whole Rumsfeld quote, but that, that the part of that famous Donald Rumsfeld quote, when he talks about the unknown unknowns and AI ML set loose on data helps surface the sort of unknown unknowns. Right. And, and that's where you can drive real innovation from. And the other thing that came to my mind as you were talking there relates back to the topic that that we were kind of talking about a little bit when we were booking the show. And that is, you mentioned focusing too much on what is best for the company and not the customer and how that can lead to a poor experience. And when you're collecting data, when you're telling that story that you mentioned in you know, your QBRs or your board meetings or, or, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. When you're using data to tell a story, there is an opportunity to sort of bias that data towards the story you want to tell. I always think of, you know, Apple's big presentations and they show a chart of like a how their product goes up in the right and then the competing device doesn't. And like, yeah. there's no label on the Y-axis. And it's like, guys, come on. Like, but anyway, um, shout out to Apple's marketing department. They're yeah. the best in human history. <laughs> Who am I to criticize? But I would love to know if, like how you feel organizations can manage that balance between making something that's maybe better for the company than the customer. And like, how do you, how do you execute on um, figuring out the balance so that what is best for the company is also best for the customer in the sort of support automation realm? No, I think that's, 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 I think a really important question because, you know, one thing, and, and I was thinking about this as we were kind of, you know, trying to schedule this out is, you know, the automation piece, it is, it is, I, I think we're at a point where, and I, and I will just experience it for myself, just trying to get support from, you know, large, uh, large uh, cell phone carriers um, when you call in to get support and you're just stuck in these automated, you know, circles where you can't ever talk to anybody. You can't get any help. None of, none of the, uh, the phone systems can actually understand you. It's Pressing just zero oh, doesn't take you. To oh, God, yeah. That doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but I think, you know, 
the the piece that I'm that I look at is look, automation is awesome, and I think you know getting efficient and, and making sure everybody you know has what they need, and if the customers can can solve their own problems, great. But I think the problem that's that I'm seeing, and I think it's starting to swing back, is that we've got so excited about automation and making it all about self service that we actually push the customer farther away from from the actual. Um, back to kind of people helping people, you know? And so I think companies have kind of taken a, they've, they've kind of woken up because of either customers walking or the, or the, you know, survey scores coming back, you know, negatively is that you can't just force every customer interaction to self-service. And, you know, I think that's, that's that balance where it's a, yeah, it's super awesome for your, your, your uh, company because it, yeah, you can get efficient, you can, you know, reduce staff, you can try to automate everything, but the quality of and value that you provide your customer is going to take a hit. And so mm-hmm. for me, I mean, just, in, you know, I'm trying to, to, to scale the, our global support, you know, operations and really looking at our, how do we, um, you know, improve the, the relationship with our, with our valued customers, with our customer success management team. And, you know, and it's, it's really coming down to, to, to finding a good balance. I mean, we just did a full redo of our customer journey and all the friction points and just getting feedback from user groups and, and our, our own teams, which are, I would, you know, people aren't spending the time with their frontline teams asking how they can make their frontline teams days better. <laughs> you got to start doing that, but really looking at, you know, where that balance is. And I think you just have to, you have to get, gather the information at the, at the um, at both sides and figure out how to remove, you know, get your CES kind of scoring going and, and feedback from the customer. You got to talk to your customers. Like, how are you, what are you doing and driving to not only make your employee day better, but what are you doing to make it easier to do business with your customers? And it, mm-hmm. it is, you know, it's not easy. I mean, you're going to have to give and take um, and find some, some happy mediums. But I think, you know, if you're, if you go in with that mindset, um, and I, you know, every week I, I swear I have to like remind people like, yeah, just because that makes it easy for finance, that means it's really hard for me to put together a renewal package for a customer who's struggling for COVID. Like we got to right. come, got to find that fair balance, you know, what's keeps them excited and using our product and, and finding value and we can move forward and, and run our business. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's not easy, but I think if you, put a cross cross-functional team together who then has a mindset of, you know, looking at the data, sharing that, coming up with an action plan, and then and then really just checks and balances. You know, are are there are the customers feedback positive, the team feedback positive, and you just got to balance it. Yeah. One thing I'm just looking on your website on yellowfinbi.com and under the support tab in the website there's you you guys have stuff in here that i don't often see other businesses put into the support tab and i know you know as as someone who builds websites for SaaS companies for a living here like you you can you can arrange things however you want but i think there's something telling about the approach yellowfin and yourself takes the support by how things are architected here and i want to see if my hunch is right so inside of support it's not just like the support center and documentation you guys also have Yellowfin University. Uh, you have a community forum. You've got the like the integrations page, so to speak, in Marketplace, and then this evaluation guide, which is shout out to your 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 content marketing team here on this. This is extremely well done. But what I'm getting at is that there is 
all sides of the customer journey represented under what you guys are calling support. And that doesn't seem accidental, right? Like you're ensuring that the customer is educated throughout the buyer's journey so that when they do become a customer, the support that you are offering and that you have to give, both parties are coming from an educated place, which I'm sure makes those interactions a lot more uh, beneficial. Is, is, is that, was that a conscious decision to sort of bundle some of this early customer journey stuff into support? Well, first off, thanks for, uh, for checking that out. And, and yeah, I mean, I think for us, as we, I mean, God, seven years ago when we kind of, when I first started and we, we got together and we're like, what kind of a, you know, customer experience do we want? And it was a uh, pretty grim. I, at, when I first started, it was, you know, we were basically a product company that just sold software and, uh, you know, we would sign, find a customer up, sign a customer up. And honestly, we would not have any engagement with them until the renewal. Um, and so when we started stepping back and go, you know, to be a global company and to really set things in place, how do we want to be treated? And I think as we did our journey mapping and started talking to customers and really got their feedback on what they needed, it's kind of built out, you know, built out the emotional journey that we kind of want to focus on. And we're, we're all about culture and um, really having some, you know, our teams really passionate about what we do. And it's, you know, for us, it was building, building the comfort comfort um, resources for each step of the journey. And mm -hmm. what we found is definitely, you know, what, what we tend to do and what I always are in promoting. I mean, we, we have our CSMs, um, you know, come in early in the sales cycle to really talk about what's it mean to be a partner with Yellowfin? You know, what are we, what are we here to actually help you not just buy software? We're here to help you um, along the whole journey. And really, I mean, once people sign the dotted line, you always have buyer's remorse. Oh my God, what did I just do? I put my sign, my name, am I going to look like a rock star? Or am I going to be the one that's, you know, left holding the bag for a, a really poor decision. And so we want to make sure that that, that feeling is just as early as possible as just a one day deal. <laughs> so, you know, it's about our onboarding. It's about our partnership. It's about our long-term investment in the customer success, because we spent the time qualifying, picking the right individual. And we want to make sure that everyone on the customer's team has, has, I guess, receives the insight of the data within their organization. Cause you know, we feel that we're a big part of, and, and most of our customers are software companies looking to embed our product mm -hmm. widely so that they can, they can offer an analytics um, package and not have to be analytics experts. Right. So, right. Um, you know, for us, it's, it's like, man, if, if they're successful and they can knock the socks off their customers, Man, that that's just that that is our ultimate success metric for for our teams, and and it goes along that we you know we've we've got our university program, we've got our community program, we've got our knowledge knowledge sharing, we've got our technical document that we're always improving, but all of that you know goes to you know ensure that the different people at an organization, from the product manager, the technical team, the buying team, they're all taken care of with what they need. And, and we're here for them. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for noticing that. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, we have a lot to do and, and we always need to be getting better, but we feel that, you know, with the focus on how do we add more value at every touch point, that's kind of where we start our, start our day. Yeah. You, you guys are definitely doing a great job of it, at least from a, someone who, who clicks around on a lot of websites and, and tries to reverse engineer how people are thinking and what I could do to incorporate some of that into our own marketing. Um, definitely doing a great job. The piece of what you just said there that really stuck out to me, you, you talked a little bit about 
like bringing bringing teams together when when and whatnot and this leads me to a question that I don't often ask on this show, but I think given your sort of career and 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 the things you've done, you're you're a really good person to ask this. And that is, if you could go back in time to when you first started scaling your team, or if you could meet another leader who's you know in the same position you were ten years ago or whatever, and you could give them a piece of advice about structuring their support organization so that it scales properly what piece of advice would you give them yeah i think i i guess for my own learning um if i could go back and talk to my, myself 15 years ago uh, or just someone who, who is just kind of starting out and looking at their team and you know depending on let's say they're responsible for everything post sales and it's the you know success team and, and support team you know, I think for me, the, the area where I've learned the most, um, is, is really taking the time to understand yeah the customer and the customer need and objectives. So doing the, spending the time and it, you know, it can take a lot of time and it's really hard to get cross cross-functional teams to buy in, but doing the journey mapping, really, really taking the time to outline the personas and who, who and what are the outcomes. I think for us, we've spent a lot, a couple of years now trying to perfect our, our customer success plan and uh, really looking at what is it that we have to do to ensure the outcomes the customer needs to be successful. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're a business, we're trying to be profitable and we want to pay all our people to stay around and all that. But at the end of the day, we have to deliver the outcomes needed so that the organizations we work with see the value and they're validated within their organization and their customers. So, you know, that, I get, I think that that's the time spent and, and it's now I've just, we've just finished kind of our second one. Um, but I think every time that the, you know, your strategy or business change, and it seems like we're always having to be pivoting and things is really going back to that base um, of just, confirming that you understand what the customer is, is needing throughout the whole journey. Why are they coming to you really clearly defining that and then pass that and get that validation all the way through and make sure you're again, spending time with your customers because if you don't understand what keeps them up at night, Mm -hmm. you can't help solve their problems. So that would, that would probably be, I think in the beginning, I, and, and I think it was, yeah, I probably wish I would have had better mentorship or that was a better driver. I mean, 15 years ago, but you know, I think for me, 15 years ago, I kind of solved everything with systems and tools and process and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and we put some, you know, the training things in, but I was very, I was very, uh, what's, what's best for the organization. Uh, in my early days, uh, which, you know, through just stubbornness and getting to the end of it, um, it, it, you know, always kind of came out okay in the end with regards to just what I was trying to build to offer our customers with universities and communities and all of that. But I think would have been, it would have been cool to start that within the organization um, is getting the organization across the board, customer centric versus 
I, I, I would say probably, you know, also very, very silo focused, you know, 15, 20 years ago and in, in the companies that I've worked at. And just because I don't think there was a really a clear industry or global view of the value of a customer. Um, it right. was always just about, you know, net new sales. And then we would just fill the bucket and not really worry about the holes in the bucket. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's fascinating this this topic on on you know I always tell people because I was uh, my last company I was at I was about employee number thirty and we we sold a private equity firm for just under a billion dollars like seven eight years after I started and like that was a you know that was an awesome wild journey and very grateful and fortunate to have been a part of that um, I like that story. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> maybe if I ever if I ever catch you at a conference, we'll we'll have a beer, and I, I've got some I've got some doozies of stories from those days. But awesome. the 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 in the moment, and I and I always like I tell this to young people who who I mentor, or you know, just other other people in in different sort of stages in their career, or whatever. Like in the moment, you kind of always feel like you're flying the airplane or building the airplane in the air, you know, and you you need to have some grace with yourself on like look successful business is hard <laughs> like it's not if if it was really easy there'd be a, there there'd be you know the 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 sort of fail rate for new businesses wouldn't be 95% or whatever it is you know what i mean like it 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 would be it, we we would see a lot more um we ju- we just see a lot more early seed stage companies go through to you know multi billion dollar exits but it's just not the case but at the end of the day, you're right that in a modern worldview, customer support, product engineering, sales and marketing, HR, finance, operations are not seven unique buckets, right? Like those are all kind of more or less the same thing. And none of that stuff works without customers. Your your customers are your best source of product roadmap. Your customers are your best source of ad, like the, the best marketing in the world, the marketing, like the, the, the marketing that I would, you know, pay for and with, with blood, if I had to, would be the free word of mouth stuff you get from delivering an awesome product to good customers, because especially in, in high touch, complex B2B sales, like what you and I do for a living, you might run the best ABM campaign and have the best account executives on planet earth, just shepherding that thing through. But the person on the other line is going to talk to their friends in the industry. They're going to, they're going to ferret out another person that bought your product that you didn't recommend them for a um, referral. And they're going to, they're going to find out if your product is crap or not. Right. So like, so, so that, sacred relationship with the customer is extremely important. And even in a world where we're automating everything that we can, and we should, because as the, the, the sort of doctrine of capitalism is such to, to extract more value that, that as you can, but you still have to have that connection. And any automation you bring into the organization still needs to maintain and at minimum and preferably build that connection. And I'm getting a little bit into a philosophical rant here, but <laughs> no, but I, th- I think you're, I think you're right on. Right. I mean, I think, yeah, two things. I think the one thing that I, I think we're all getting sick of, and, you know, I guess part of the automation piece that I, that I struggle with is, you know, 
yeah, the, the, the amount of spam and what's being sent out that seems to be like, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem to be adding value, you know? And I think the bullhorn yeah. shotgun approach, you know, I think that's just, it, I don't know. I, I just see people getting sick of it. And to me, it's, you know, the, the outbound kind of reaching out and going, Hey, you know, Justin, I was looking on your website and, you know, I, I have some ideas. It, would you have a couple minutes to talk about, you know, things like that, where you're like, okay, you spent the time to look at something. You've got some, some wisdom to, to share with me. You know, that, that to me, I think is where, you know, especially where auto, the marketing automation needs to go. But, you know, I think on the second piece that you're talking about there, it's, you know, the customers, like the customer is, is why we're all here, right? So the, the right. best you, you know, the, the way you can organize your organization around that customer feedback um, is so important. And I think there's the other piece of that is, is, is also balancing out your team. Like as a leader, like your team has to also be aligned to, of course, the mission and vision and purpose of the organization. They have to be able to tie their role to the success of the customer and the metrics right. around that in some manner. Like if you can, you can get those two, you know, pieces working in harmony, then you have a, cu- a company that is focused on, yeah, helping to drive customer success. And at the end of the day, I mean, you can land a whole bunch of business, but if you're not retaining it, whether you're a SaaS or whatever you're doing your revenue model, I mean, you're just, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win. And that, that, like you said, that referral, I mean, it's the word of mouth that is just amazing. I mean, we've had, I mean, which is pretty awesome. I mean, this year alone, I know we've had six deals where someone has worked with us, went and people are moving all over the place, went to another organization and brought us into their organization. So that, like, that's the hugest testament and success metric I think we can, you could ever have, right? Is that you did such a good job that someone was willing to, to go somewhere else and bring you in because they knew they know you can help drive value for their organization. Yeah. Hi, I'm new here. I'd like to recommend a five figure yeah. investment in software. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you have to, you have to really, really have that, really have that down. So my second to last, my penultimate to use an ACT word question for you is what's the one thing that you see CX leaders not doing today that they should be doing today? Well, I think just to kind of keep in line with some of the stuff we've been talking about, I think it's really spending the time um, with with the frontline team getting the feedback from, from your team and also the customer. I think just spending that time gathering that information but then I think the next thing is making sure it's getting, it's getting um, shared across the organization. Because as you said earlier, I mean, the customers help us drive product, marketing, sales. Mm-hmm. You know, they help drive everything and validate everything um, around your strategy and, and the direction of, you know, I guess, defining what success is for your organization. So I would think, you know, it, it's one thing to... Um, and this is, I guess, one of the things that I see companies do and you go and then you read the Gardner surveys and, and no one's doing anything with the data is, you know, don't just collect a whole bunch of data and not do anything with it because you're wasting everyone's time. So if you're making everyone do, you know, 10 surveys a, 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 a year for your customers, but you're not actually taking that to drive action, don't do it. Like, right. you know, that's just your, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing is it, like have have a method around what you're what your outcomes are and really make sure that if you're going to measure it, do something with it. If you're not, 
then don't don't, don't measure it. Yeah, don't measure yeah. it because you're just wasting your time and your organization's time and, and probably your customers and your frontline team time. That's that is a great nugget. If you're going to do something with the data point, measure it. But if you're not going to do something with the data point, don't measure it. Love that. When you think about the future of support automation, Lee, what is it about that future that excites you the most? I think for me, um, I just I want to give back to the the action of people helping people. I think I think all of us are are a bit frustrated with some of the ways that maybe companies are offering solutions. So I'm I'm hoping that the automation can find a balance again. Um, I think we've swung so far to self-service that it's really tough to to have a personal relationship with, you know, and you can't have personal relationships with every, you know, company you work with. But right. I think there's, I think for key, key B2B partnerships, like the value of the partnership has to, has to fit into the automation in the sense of don't make me have to struggle to get help. And I, I know it's one of the things that I, I've kind of seen over the last few years. I don't know if it's just the age of people. I mean, we're so used to everyone just texting and not calling. People are afraid to pick up the phone and talk to people these days. Right. And so, you know, I'm, I, I always have to be reminding my teams. It's like, it's great that you can have, you know, 10 emails back and forth with the customer, but you can tell after the third one, they're frustrated. Like pick up the phone, just say, hi, how can I help you? You know, and I think so that that to me is 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 where I'm hoping there's a balance coming um, mm. that we're we get back to people helping people and we make the automation not a not an arm's length barrier to to that personal touch. We actually make it so it's easier to get the solution you want or someone to help you. Right. I guess that would be that would be where I, I kind of hope um, the technology is 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 going to. Um, you know, it is, and it's cool. There's some, you know, the chatbot things I think are really can be beneficial and, and, and get you to the next step quickly. But I think the promise of, of, uh, a quick solution or the tool sets or the systems, again, it needs to drive to the outcome as quickly as possible for the customer, not the company. Yes. Love it. Great way to bookend the entire discussion there. So we'll end with the quick fire round here. What is the book that you most often recommend to people? Oh, right now I, I would probably just with uh, effortless experience is probably um, top of mind. I mean, there's some, yeah, there's so many great ones out there. Um, I'm actually reading a, a kind of a cool one right now called uh, the transformational leadership compass. Mm. And it's by uh, Benny um, Osmus. And it's uh, basically, he's a, he's a, global consultant who helps companies do massive shifts in strategy. And he's mm -hmm. basically compiled all the companies he's worked with and kind of come up with this fictitious person, John, who's the CEO. And he, he writes the story in the way that he's like helping John through the process. And it's just insightful because it's when you start looking at kind of the list of things that John comes to Benny for, you can see yourself in it either your customer as a company or your own company uh, or yourself. You know, we, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause at the end of the day, we're all kind of trying to do the same things. We trying to make money. We trying to have great teams. We're trying to have a great product or service. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's been a fun book to read. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to uh, Benny Osmus there. Um, yeah. We'll link to that in the show notes in terms of any website, blog, Slack community, LinkedIn group, et cetera, for, um, 
for for customer leaders such as yourself, what's one that you would recommend people check out? I guess one thing that I kind of look at in the mornings when just what that hit me, kind of um, Jacob Morgan, uh, the future of work. And I know there, um, and I'm going to forget her name, but the other Morgan <laughs> who focuses more on customer success. Um, those are kind of the two that I, I, I tend to scan because the articles are, are really well, well put together and, and really tend to focus on things that it, I, I get an insight out of, you know, I think every day, just something to be either a better leader for myself or something I can share with my team. Love it. If there was one productivity tip, productivity hack to use the, the, my least favorite term for it, that you've picked up over the years that has stuck with you that you'd recommend to people? What is it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still trying to find it. <laughs> it's funny. I think every couple of months I go, okay, I'm going to move all my stuff from my notepad because I'm still pretty old school to like, you know, OneNote or whatever. Uh, I still can't do it. I, I got to check stuff off every day. But, but um, writing, writing, things on pen, writing things down on pen and paper is not, that's nothing to to sneeze at the tech like the 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 like physical touch of holding yeah. a pen and the tactile response of placing that down on paper and having your thoughts turn into words yeah and then going back in and literally scratching that stuff oh, out is that's the rewarding piece <laughs> that's that's real and then it's yeah. you know we I, I do a, a webinar on productivity tips. We do it like every year we update it. We're up to the, the 2022 edition of it's going to have it, it's it, I might have to uh, break it into a three part series. It's got so much in it. But one thing I always tell people is like, do not underestimate, like go out and get yourself a nice pen. Don't not just like some like big pen you picked yeah. up at a conference somewhere, like go spend money on a pen, understand the difference between like a gel pen and a roller ball and like, un, you know, get nerdy about it get good paper and start writing down your yeah. thoughts and, and journaling and using paper and your, your brain will thank you for it. Lee, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I really can't thank you enough for coming on the support automation show. Before we go, if anyone wants to learn more about you or Yellowfin, where can they go to find it? Uh, well, main website for Yellowfin, yellowfinbi.com. Uh, um, and I'm in LinkedIn and just, uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Lee Roque. So Love to, awesome. love to connect. And Justin, thank you. I mean, this has been, it's been really fun just to yeah, wrap about automation and experiences. And so thank you for the opportunity to share. Absolutely. I'll see you around. Okay. Thank you. The Support Automation Show is brought to you by Capacity. Visit capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find the show by searching for Support Automation in your favorite podcast app. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity, thanks for listening.